people are a little bit more reserved, but if you put the right type of opportunity in front of them, uh, they're, they're going to invest in it. Let's get ready to scale. Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm Jeanette Robinson, your host today and Director of Investor Relations with Blue Lake Capital, in case you didn't know. Joining me today is Matt Shields. Matt is the co-founder of Significant LC, which is a multifamily syndication owner and operator, as well as the founder and CEO of Virtus Technology, which specializes in custom software for project management. He's also the host of Pass the Secret Sauce podcast and also the author of a book called, let me try to not mess this up, Sprocratize, An Uncommon Approach to Rapid Digital Transformation, Incredible Innovation, and Building a Business You Love. He's got a portfolio of about 700 apartment units across three states, and he's joining us today from Akron, Ohio. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're it's always interesting when you when you compile all of your the things that you've done together and hearing other people talk about that. So thanks for doing all the research there. Yeah, no, for sure. It's always helpful to, I think, um, for the listeners to have at least a quick glimpse into, you know, who it is that they're listening to and why they probably should care. Uh, so, you know, on that note, really interesting. So you have your 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 uh, technology company and it looks like you've had that for close to a couple of decades now. And then somewhere along the way, you pivoted into real estate investing. So I'm curious if you'd want to just share with us, how did that happen? Yeah. So I would say I have a very entrepreneurial uh, background. Uh, I pretty well have always been an entrepreneur. Uh, I actually bought my first house for uh, a flip when I was 19 uh, and then started buying multiple houses uh, you, we would flip them, we would rent them out, you know, what have you. I used to also have an electrical contracting company. So out of out of high school, I went in and, and started uh, at an apprenticeship program through a local electrical contractor. So I have a back, background in the trades. And in 2008, the the economy wasn't doing well, um, you know, much like what we're in right now. And the contracting company ultimately ended up going out of business. We had a number of companies that owed us quite a bit of money. Uh, and, and we were involved in some projects where we were controlling uh, uh, HVAC systems and lighting systems remotely in 2005, 2006. So uh, when the, the contracting company went out of business, I started to you know look around and what am I going to do next? And because we had a little bit of Pro, uh, programming background, the app store came out then and figured, okay, let's give this this whole app development thing uh, a shot. So uh, we went into that and that slowly morphed into a digital tra transformation company. So we built a lot of custom apps and software today. And in 2017, uh, that was doing well. So I started to get the itch to get back into real estate. And, uh, you know, I, I had a lot more research available online today and I kept coming across different people. Grant Cardone, you know, kept talking about all of the, the benefits of multifamily investing. Uh, so I, I decided to, to give it a shot and join some groups that taught how to, how to start investing with that. And then, you know, met my partner and off we went, we started, uh, you know, purchasing large multifamily uh, properties around the country. 
Well, very, very cool. Um, it's it's interesting. A couple of things that you said made me think. Uh, so it's not exactly real estate related, but you know, for human moments, um, you know, I have a son. A lot of people don't know, but I have four kids, and my uh, oldest is twenty three, and he's actually uh, in the electrical trade now himself. And it is so interesting to me, particularly with this younger generation. I think there's really going to be a moment of crisis where there's just not enough skilled trade labor out there. And, you know, so it's really interesting to me. I'm, I'm glad to see my son in it because I think it's going to give him an edge um, probably, you know, even now, but especially and probably over the next decade or so, as we start to see some of those uh, skilled trade uh, professionals start to actually retire. So yeah, has nothing to do with anything, but, you know, it's just, it's something that I'm noticing uh, nowadays in this generation. I, I, I think that being, having a background in the trades and having those skills is, incredibly valuable if nothing less even be even being able to just work on your own home and not having to rely on outside contractors always coming in you know something's not working having the skills to be able to get in and fix it yourself is incredibly incredibly valuable but if he wants to get involved into other things later like we're talking about real estate today I can't tell you how invaluable the background in construction and knowing how everything is put together and what skill sets are needed for this or that. I can't even tell you how valuable all of that knowledge is in this industry. And, you know, that goes into many, many different things. So uh, you, you mentioned before we start recording here about, uh, you know, really being hyper focused on uh, a certain element. And we can get into this because the, the trades are coming back into that part of uh, you know, my, my set of the focus of, of our partnership right now as well. So, um, couldn't, couldn't agree more. I think that, I think that focusing in on trades and having that skill set is just incredibly, incredibly valuable. Well, you piqued my interest now and I got, you got a little, Ooh, out of me. I don't know if you heard that, but, uh, it is a great caveat to what we were going to talk about. So the first thing that I noticed when I was looking over your website, was you are really hyper focused on you know what some would call quote your avatar which means you know your target audience and it's interesting to me because i just came back uh this past weekend from houston i was at a uh, a capital raising summit and you know part of what they were talking about was you know how effectively are you marketing you know to your investor base and so when i was looking at your website i noticed that you were very very specific that you were marketing to tech sales account executives. And it's it's a very interesting approach to me. And I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, what made you decide to be that specific? How do you avoid eliminating others from that criteria or having them be detoured because they think, oh, that's not applicable to me? You know, I'm just curious, like, how is how is this strategy played out for you? Yeah. So I'm not sure if you've heard of the book called uh, The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Uh, I'm actually, I'm friends with Amanda Holmes, Chet's, uh, Chet's daughter, uh, Chet passed away, I think 10 years ago now or so, but it's arguably referred to as the, the marketing Bible. So this is a book that people that are in marketing always refer to. There's all kinds of tactics and strategies in there. And one of those is a, a concept called the dream 100. Uh, so basically what this means is you you start, you focus in on a specific type of person, a specific type of individual, you know, that can be, um, you know, industry-wide or like this, you know, specific type of, of user. And then you, you focus in on trying to be able to speak to those types of people, right? So 
Uh, both my partner and I both have a background in technology. So we thought, you know, let's let's go down this path. We both understand it. We both can speak this language. And what ends up happening, like, you know, you mentioned, aren't you afraid of eliminating some people from that pool? Yes, that does happen. But at the same time, if you're able to hone in and actually speak to somebody and and say like, yeah, that 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 person, that group, they get me, they understand me, they understand the challenges that I have. Um, it, it, it creates a much bigger ripple effect where you're able to, you know, again, focus in on one specific type of individual and, uh, you know, get to, to, to bring all of those people into your, into your wheelhouse or into your program. Right. So, so that we started off down that path. And again, I, I mentioned earlier how my background was in construction. So I'm, I'm, uh, slowly segmenting off into, also including contractors into this this group of of uh, people that we're focusing in on, and there's two parts to that, right? So these are construction contractors, construction business owners uh, that are looking to essentially grow their net worth through real assets, right? So, so that's kind of the baseline there. But you mentioned before how the trades are getting getting to be difficult to be able to find. We find this all the time in the assets that we have, you know we can't find contractors to come and help us when we need work. It's, it's really, really difficult to be able to find those people. So the, this, this, um, focus on contractors is sort of twofold. Yes. We're, we're attracting investors to invest into the companies, but at the same time, we're also, uh, turning around and being able to say, Hey guys, you know, we need a quote for this project, that project. So this also can generate revenue for those contractors. So it's sort of, you know, serving a dual purpose there, if you will. So uh, same exact type of concept, just you know, expanding it out into the construction industry and construction contractor uh, business owners. So, um, but yeah, the Dream 100, extremely, extremely powerful. You know, again, once you can understand that avatar, you can speak directly to them. And then, you know, it's so much easier having one conversation rather than trying to sp spread yourself so thin and having, you know, hundred different conversations, then you're not really speaking to any one type of person or one type of demographic. Very true. Very true. And I find it very interesting um, and, a, and a very smart approach for sure. And I actually didn't have this per se on our agenda to talk about, but if you forgive me for just throwing it out there. Sure. So I'm curious, given your background and given the fact that you know, these are, you know, per se, the types of investors that you're targeting or speaking to. One of the things that um, that we, you know, pride ourselves on, admittedly, at Blue Lake is we're really beginning to uh, implement a lot of AI uh, data into our underwriting process. And it's really brought a lot of benefit to uh, the business as a whole. So I'm curious to know, especially from the tech standpoint, um, how are you integrating or are you integrating AI uh, into the business? Yeah, I would say that we're not necessarily integrating it yet from not not that much from an underwriting perspective. Uh, we do use some tools that will you know help us scrape um, you know things like rent rolls and T12s and all of that and kind of you know populate that. So there's an element of of AI uh, in that, but I would say that we're using AI more on the marketing side of things uh, and you know, being able to take pieces of content that we've created or, you know, again, I, I do the podcast recordings as well. I'll, I'll take that um, and kind of create notes, then drop it into things like chat GPT 
uh, and and create longer pieces of content, which then will repurpose into you know the newsletter or you know the various different uh, posts on on social and whatnot. So uh, I actually we, we actually just started doing this. Uh, I'm going to say within the last probably three weeks or so, where there's essentially a, a hub and spoke type model. Uh, where, you know, the hub is things like a podcast or, you know, this can be repurposed into a newsletter. And then, you know, there's there's sort of frameworks and whatnot that spin off of uh, each one of those. Like, you know, your LinkedIn post has this type of format and here's the here's the frameworks to it. And and, you know, then you fill in those frameworks and then, boom, you have your your LinkedIn post. And, you know, you can take excerpts of that and you can post that on Twitter. So it just kind of keeps going and going. And Throughout all of that, there's elements of um, AI that's being incorporated into all of these different tools to be able to suggest different titles or content or what have you. So I would say that that's probably where we're using it the most um, right now. So uh, again, not necessarily from an underwriting perspective, but more from a marketing and communication perspective. Yeah, smart, very smart. It's interesting. We're working with a startup company based out of Israel, actually, huh? uh, called Q. And uh, they're doing something pretty similar too. It's it's really cool. They actually they scrub Google Analytics and they see which questions are trending the most about mm -hmm. uh, multifamily real estate, and then they send us those questions <clears throat> and we answer them. Ah. We either type the answer out or we just record ourselves answering the question. It takes like two to three minutes. It's no big deal. And then from that, they're able to generate. Uh, multiple types of content that we can then repurpose onto social media. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. So a little shout out for them. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's it's similar. I'm sure the the strategies and it's it's fun uh, to find all of the ways that we can kind of start implementing Chat GPT. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, the data is not always super reliable. So what I've begun to do is uh, I'm, I'm using a plugin called Ask Your PDF, and so I can take something and control the data input. And I put it into a PDF format, then I give it to ChatGPT and I tell ChatGPT based upon this data that I'm providing you, so I know mm -hmm. the data source is legit, you know, <clears throat> provide me with blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and yeah. It's working and, really well. And when you're, when you're um, putting in that prompt, are you prompting it, you know, to be a certain type of person? Like, um, you know, again, I, I just did this this morning. Uh, you are a newsletter um, growth, uh, what did I say? You're a, a newsletter growth mindset uh, reporter, you know, and I want this type of an output with this type of a uh, of an intention and 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 all of that, right? So you're mm -hmm. you're kind of you know setting the stage for it first uh, before you actually enter in all of those things. And you also you can ask it like, is there anything that you don't understand? And then it will say, okay, I don't understand this. I don't understand that. And you know, you can fill in those blanks before you actually give it the the content to be able to rewrite. Do you do you get that deep into it? Does that, is that how I, you're I doing do. it? <clears throat> Good. Excuse me. Allergy season. I do, but I'm doing it the opposite way of you, which is really interesting. So I explain to Chat GPT, uh, Chat as I call him now. I explain yeah. to Chat who is going to be reading the information. What it is that I ultimately want them to gain from the information mm -hmm. and what type of tone I would like it to take. So I'll yeah. say, you know, for example, you know, uh, write a blog post for passive multifamily real estate investors in the United States, you know, focusing on ABC. And then I'll say, you know, 
do not be overly salesy or commercial, but rather straightforward and factual, you know, and then I'll have it write something. And then I'll ask it for suggestions as to how to improve the blog it just wrote me. Then it gives me suggestions. And then I, I tell it to implement those suggestions and write it again for me. And then I actually take it to Bard. And then I ask Bard to fact check it essentially, or I ask Bard to enhance it by providing me with some links to additional articles that will provide metrics or stats you know, from other sources to add to the validity of the blog as a whole. Yeah. So it's interesting. I'm not setting it. I'm not setting the stage the way you are, but I'm, I'm setting it a different way. And yeah, I'm curious I, to start your way now. And see that's what a, I, I was just thinking like the same that. thing. Like, I wonder what it'll do, you know, doing it the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's cool. Just to experiment both ways. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and hopefully this is enlightening for listeners that are starting to dip their toe into that water or starting to think about, you know, how to utilize it. Um, I'm finding it to be, you know, really helpful. And, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you can control the data, I think that's the key. Yeah. Um, I think you can get some really good results from it. And and you almost have to start, you know, dipping your toes in the water with this too, because I, I, I want to say actually it was Mark Cuban, if I remember correctly. I think he said that if you're not in AI in five years, you're going to be so far behind that, you know, it you're not going to be really that terribly impactful in business anymore. So you have mm -hmm. to start, you know, getting into this and start understanding it and how to use it. Cause it's just going to keep evolving and getting better and better. And if you're not understanding how any of this works and not learning along with it, you're again, just going to be so far behind. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And, you know, it's interesting because we were talking about how you're utilizing it for marketing primarily. Uh, what our team has been able to do is they've been able to, um, they're using a couple of different programs, but basically one of them cut our underwriting time down by, I mean, just a significant amount of time. That's and cool. it's allowing us to underwrite a lot faster. So, you know, we're able to evaluate deals at a much more rapid pace than we were before. Um, you know, in addition to getting kind of not just um, not just regional data, you know, or market data, but really down to the property data, mm -hmm. um, also historical data, you know, that it's, we're able to get scrubbed for us. Um, and it, I mean, it's just it, it's definitely made our underwriting team a lot more efficient and has equipped them to be able to, to underwrite just much. Yes. Much so interesting. So, cool. so interesting. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I will say you said <clears throat> that, you know, and then you and your earlier when you were explaining your story, you know, and then, you know, you guys decided to start getting into multifamily and then, you know, now you have 700 units. So it sounded oh so easy. But um, I, what I'd really like to dive into is, you know, the complexity of raising capital, particularly in today's market. Mm -hmm. But before we jump in, let's go ahead and take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Ready to Scale is brought to you by Blue Lake Capital, where we hunt down the best multifamily investment opportunities that we can find and invite investors to join in with us. We target Class B value-add multifamily properties across the Sunbelt. Our CEO, Ellie Perlman, invests a substantial amount of capital into every deal. This means our interests are aligned with yours. If you're an accredited investor looking to expand your portfolio and diversify sponsors, be sure to visit us at bluelake-capital.com. Blue Lake Capital, be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. All right. So Matt, let's talk shop. So, you know, it was very interesting because I was at this event, like I said, in Houston. 
And, you know, people outside of the industry, I think, are under the impression that it's just so, so impossible to raise capital right now. And that's definitely not true. I know this for certain because we literally just closed on an asset like a few weeks ago in Phoenix that was a very heavy lift, was a very large raise. Um, and, you know, I spent the weekend with a bunch of other funds uh, that are all raising capital as well. So, you know, money is moving. Capital is being raised, I promise, because literally you just closed an asset. But admittedly, it is a little bit harder uh, than it was before. And so I'm curious, you know, what you're seeing on your end and how you're working around some of those challenges. Yeah, I would say that it, it definitely is more difficult today than what it was even last year, uh, certainly a few years ago. But I would say that what we're doing now is systematizing all of our all of our outreach. So we're able to bring in more people. The the Dream 100 concept and focusing in on, you know, those specific avatars, those specific types of of people certainly helps again align all of that conversation and the content that we're creating. So all of that is going out and you know we're seeing a lot more people coming in and and have interest. Uh, I will say that, you know, again, it, it it's not the same way where people were, you know, yes, I want to do this. I want to do this. People are a little bit more reserved, but if you put the right type of opportunity in front of them, uh, they're, they're going to invest in it. Right. Uh, so, and, and again, it might not be the same amount of people that we're investing or the same amount of people that, that you mm -hmm. had to bring into a deal before there might be more that are coming in. Uh, but from our perspective, you know, we are seeing people interested in investing and uh, it's from, from, for, for us, we've had a hard time finding opportunities to be able to place in front of our investors. So we actually are working on uh, a fund of fund model uh, type approach now as well, where we are seeking out other uh, good operators uh, you know, good sponsors to be able to find, you know, their, their assets and then helping them raise money for those particular opportunities. And what we're finding also is that that's exposing us being in these groups. Like you just mentioned last weekend, you were at, at this, this event with all these other fund managers being exposed to all of those different funds exposes us to a lot more different types of opportunities, a lot of other different verticals where, you know, some of our investors are interested in, in spending that money uh, there. So rather than only focusing in on like we still for our operations, we'll still focus in on multifamily. Uh, but we also, again, are, are approaching this sort of eyes wide open and, you know, partnering with other good operators to be able to bring these other alternative assets into our fund to be able to offer uh, to our investors as well. And I'll say we also have, uh, we've set up our funds slightly differently than what a lot of other funds are set up. So we have fraction, we have a fractionalized fund, which allows us to put in, you know, any type of asset into this so that can be technology, that can be storage, that obviously multifamily, that can be raw land, you know, uh, uh, build to, to rent. All of that stuff can all get added into this fund. And then the investors actually are able to say, I want to put money into this one, this one, and this one, rather than just saying, you know, here's my fund uh, and, and, you know, dropping it in there and not really having a control of over what they invest in. So uh, from 
what we've seen again that's a an option that a lot of investors like having that control and having that ability to be able to dictate you know my money what i want my money to go here here and here right so um so in a nutshell that's what we're seeing that's what we're doing that's how we're uh, approaching you know the capital raise side of things it's again much more systematized than what it used to be um you know a lot of follow-up th through automations and everything so um you know we've we've had good luck with that very interesting very cool we're we're kind of similar in that we basically give investors the either or option so investors can either directly pick on a deal by deal basis or they can join in through the fund um, you know, so at least they have kind of those options before them. Um, but I'm curious to know with the, you call it a fractionalized fund, um, have you brought in any other assets besides multifamily and how did they contrast and compare? Yeah. So we actually, we have a couple of things that we are doing ourselves. Um, so again, through the technology side of things, we actually put uh, a technology offering inside of there. We just are in the final stages of getting that going. Um, so we've, we've, sort of floated that conversation out to investors and they're interested in it. So we'll see what kind of money we can raise uh, through that way. Uh, but you, you had mentioned how there, there's sort of two different ways that you're, that you're looking uh, or that you're you know, allowing your investors to be able to operate in this. Uh, we also, they can still invest into opportunities individually um, by going in through the fund. One of the, one of the, the great things about this is, we are still keeping our investors to us, right? So we're we're basically offering this opportunity to them, but there's there's a deline delineation between you know our investors essentially and the operator, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of protection. So what that allows us again to do is you know offer a greater a greater pool of opportunities uh, to our investors, but we're still keeping all of those investors you know sort of behind. Uh, behind us, if you will. So again, any any conversations or um, questions still come to us, and then we would go and still work with the operators and whatnot. So again, very very similar, um, but just adds a little bit layer of of um, uh, I guess protection, uh, you know, against the or with the investors and and uh, exposing them to various different operators and whatnot. Yeah, excellent point, and I'm really glad that you said it because. Again, you know, this event that I was at in Houston. Um, so, you know, we have some pretty big capital raises that we do. Like our average deal size is anywhere between 50 million at a minimum to around 130 million. So, mm -hmm. you know, especially uh, today <clears throat> with lower leverage, you know, that's a big capital raise. Yeah. So you know, like the last raise that we had to do was, you know, just shy of $70 million. That's a lot of money to raise, right? Yeah. There's no way that we do that 100% by ourselves. We have a code GP. We also work with fund of funds. And so we have funds that are coming in. And I was really surprised um, to realize this past weekend that there are, I think, these newer groups that are getting started, people just barely getting a fund put together that are under the impression that all of their investors are going to get stolen by the operator not understanding that in a properly structured fund of fund relationship, I have no idea who their investors yeah. are. And as a matter of fact, I don't want to know. I have yep. no access to their names, dates of birth. I don't know anything about these people, right? Yeah. Uh, and it should be that way. Like I only directly communicate with the fund manager. And then the fund manager is the one that turns around and communicates with all of his investors or, or her investors, right? Um, so I'm really glad that you're just pointing that out because apparently 
that is a, a misconception people have about funds. Yeah, it's a question we get asked all the time too. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you're I'm glad you're pointing it out because I think it's just a really bad misconception or worse. Um, I did talk to like one particular person who was very new and definitely did not understand what he was doing and really did just serve up all of his investors straight to the operator. And I'm like, oh, dude, you know, yeah. not, no, 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 no. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, but I do see a lot more interest in people starting to um, build up funds and start having, you know, funds of their own. And I think it's a beautiful model because it just brings a lot of win-win to the table. It brings, mm -hmm. you know, investors more deal flow. It brings, you know, obviously more capital into deals for operators to successfully close on things and keep real estate investments going. Um, it helps, you know, the fund manager be able to scale their business and their goals, uh, increase their capital raising ability. So eventually they can go and do deals on their own if they want to, or some people have no interest in that and they just want to continue to really be a fund manager full time. Yep. So it's a beautiful thing. There's a lot of ways, I think, for people to get involved that they don't realize are options. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Agree more. Yeah, very cool. Uh, well, the last thing that I kind of want to touch on, because I'm just curious, you know, what you're seeing versus what I see is one of the things that I've noticed um, recently with our investors as the economy has shifted and as investor sentiment has gotten shaken is the more experienced my investors are, the more bullish they're becoming. So, you know, maybe they invested 250000 a year ago. Today, they're coming in at $500,000. they are being more aggressive, uh, you know, than they used to be. And, you know, the ones that are newer to the game, if you if per se, you know, yeah. uh, they're, they're the ones that are sitting on the sidelines. They're the ones that are really kind of freaked out and, and wanted to see how things play out. Are you seeing the same thing as well? We, we are. Uh, and I, I think that it also is tied to the age of the person as well. If they've gone through this, you know, once or twice before, uh, you know, they're, they are bullish because they know that the downturns are when most of the money, you know, we hear this time and time again throughout history, when there's the downturn, that's when all the money is made, right? So if they've done this a time or two before, uh, they've lived through times like this uh, in the past, they are more bullish. They are, you know, jumping in with higher checks and, and, uh, willing to invest more capital at this point because they know that the the deals are going to be better, the the opportunities are better uh, at this stage of the game. So obviously, you make your money when you buy, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a good time to be buying. So, and the other thing is too is obviously a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines now, so there's not as much competition. So you're able to get into deals that you might not have been able to get into you know, a couple of years ago, right? So very true. Um, very true. We used to end up with people on waiting list. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Matt, this has been very interesting and I've enjoyed your time and some of your expertise. Um, the last thing I have for you is just what we call our lightning round questions. I actually stopped doing them for just a very short period of time. And I actually started getting emails from listeners telling me like, hey, man, what happened to lightning? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm bringing them back. All right. So, Matt, what is your favorite hobby? Oh, my favorite hobby. So I'm a big volleyball player. I, I would say volleyball and skiing depending on what time of the year it is. So those are two of my favorite pastimes. Awesome. Okay. All right. And what is something interesting about you that most people don't know? Oh, um, I would say that um, I, I can fix anything. Uh, kind of going back to what I what I focused on earlier, I started putting roofs on houses when I was 10. So by the time I was 16, I pretty well knew how to do everything. So uh, you know, I'm one of those types of people that don't 
don't hire out very much work at home just because I can, you know, get it done quicker, faster myself. So. Yeah, that's handy. Literally. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, what about a book? So you already kind of mentioned one book earlier that you would recommend. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is there any other book that you would, you know, recommend investors really need to make sure they read? I, I'm big on uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Uh, he was an ex FBI hostage negotiation or no negotiator and communication is everywhere in life, whether this be with your kids, your family, your coworkers, it's so applicable to so many different areas of your life. So never split the difference is a big one that we always refer to in meetings and whatnot. Not the first guest to say that, and I doubt you'll be the last. Mm -hmm. So definitely a good book. I've also read it. Um, okay. Now, uh, one of the things, you know, that we always try to focus on is that this is about more than just money, obviously. And it really is about trying to support our investors in, you know, achieving the quality of life that they want to have and really living an extraordinary life. So what is your advice for living an extraordinary life? Oh, I would say you want to plan your life out in, I'm not saying this in a, there, there's the the people that say you need to have a 5, 10, 15 year plan, right? And, and this is where you want to be in 15 years. There's so many elements and so many things that are going to change from now till 15 years from now. It's in my, in my opinion, it's so difficult and kind of pointless to try to plan that far out ahead. So I, started doing something called uh, the the Vivid Vision Plan, which is a three-year uh, plan that outlines what you want your life to be, what you want your business to look like, you know, all of that. And I share that with employees and new hires and ask, how is it that you're going to help achieve this vivid vision for three years from now? So um, we actually just redid this. So in, uh, I think it's, I think it was August or, uh, April of 2026, uh, is what we want to be able to accomplish by then. So, uh, you know, again, it, it gets everybody rowing in the same direction and, and making sure that they understand where we're going, uh, and have them start thinking about how they're able to start planning and, you know, making that life happen for all of us. Right. So, uh, so I like the vivid vision process and don't try to plan too far out ahead three years. If you accomplish that in three years, then create another one, you know, based on where you are today and where you want to go in the next three years. It's much more achievable, I think, in my opinion. Wow. Very, very good advice. I actually have not heard someone say that. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting uh, perspective. And, and I like it a lot. And also from even a, a hiring standpoint and an employee standpoint, uh, that's, that's really cool. Someone a few years back, um, shared something that I thought was really smart with me, which is when they uh, hire somebody and bring them on board, they share the job description with them, but they also let them complete the job description with what it is that they believe they can contribute to the role uniquely uh, beyond other what you know just any other candidate, and then that's what they use to hold them accountable, you know, for their their KPIs and and such. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, so very very cool. I really like the idea of it. Good. All right. Well, Matt, last but not least, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? 
I would say, uh, so you mentioned earlier uh, the podcast, we rebranded from Pass the Secret Sauce to Invest in Square Feet. So investinsquarefeet.com, you can find out about all the different things that we're into and, um, you know, everything that that we're obviously listening to the podcast, Invest in Square Feet as well. But uh, investinsquarefeet.com is probably the best, best place. Very cool. And just to clarify, is it literally written out the word square feet or is it the abbreviation SQFT? So it, 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 it the actual logo is SQFT, but if you put in square feet, it still goes to the same place anyway. So nice. it doesn't, doesn't matter. All right. Perfect. All right, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was fun. It was interesting. I really enjoyed it. Uh, me too. Thanks for having me. Good, good. And for those of you that tuned in today, thank you so much. Uh, Please take some time to write a review for us and let us know if you're enjoying the show, what your thoughts are. We're happy to always uh, get that kind of feedback and be responsive to it. And in the meantime, be bold, be strong, and keep moving forward. And we'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.